Welcome to Manitobaville. Today's episode features a prairie dodger. What's that, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. I'm Angel. This is Manitobaville Podcast, and we're talking to you right now. Uh, go visit manitobaville.ca. Check out the social medias. Find us on your favorite podcatcher. Tell your friends to do the same. Uh, you can follow us on those. You can subscribe on certain ones. You follow on others. But you can rate us and review us and, uh, you know, contact us through manitobaville.ca to make your donations, make your suggestions. Just email us through there. There's a nice little form. It's easy to do. Uh, tell your friends to do the same thing. That'd be great. Anybody around the world can hear us and can talk to us. we got all kinds of communication systems to do so. And that's the neat thing about the world we live in. Of course, it's also the tragic downside of it. But that's okay. We use it for the good. And uh, we try and ignore the ill of it because that's just how we are. All right. So, um, yeah, today's interview is with uh, Cindy. She's a Prairie Dodger. She has her own YouTube channel. You can just look up Prairie Dodgers on YouTube and you will find her. And it's uh, this, is, this is a great interview. This is one, this is like, um, like I say in the interview, this is one of my favorite types of interviews to have with somebody who's energetic, full of life, as a, as a great happiness about just being alive and doing things and uh yeah so go to that go to that channel and subscribe you know i think we have a youtube channel too anyway but go go to that then okay um okay and just so just before we get to this interview uh we do have advertising on the show and uh we, we make it easy with the little bump bump sounds. So uh, if you hear that, then there could be an ad. So just watch out, duck. <laughs> Don't duck, listen to the ad, see what's going on. All kinds of interesting products and things out there. You never know what you're going to hear about. Okay, so that, that's what's going to happen just right now. And after that, on the other side of that, we're going to get straight into talking to Cindy, uh, the Prairie Dodger. And that's a great great interview so stick around and enjoy and i'll see you on the back end of the show prairie dodgers ah correct just call me cindy 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 the prairie dodger (laughs) is there is there more than one prairie dodger well, I, I guess that would be on how you would look at it. I'm not sure if you uh, are familiar with the story of the the vagrant, the the gentleman who who uh, came over the border because they didn't want to go into the draft in the states, and they in the Carberry area they took over the train cars. Oh, really? And yeah, they lived. They had a community going uh, in the. I think it's around the Carberry or the Carmen area. I'm, I'd have to look for it again. It was a story I came across, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, over the generations, they got amalgamated, amalgamated, but they had a really wonderful community after the war and everything. Like a lot of them, and most of them actually stayed here in Manitoba. Wow! And they were living, they were living in the train cars along the railway that they had pushed over into the into the bush, and they just made it into their own little shanty town. Wow. I'd know. Yeah, I, something to take a take a look at because I I came across it in huh. a, in another story in my research, right? Wow, I have a friend who who uh, has a friend who came from the states back in the sixties, 
late sixties, I guess. And everybody accused him of being a draft dodger, but he, he couldn't get in. He had hearing issues, so he couldn't, uh, he was four F anyway. So so he took all the heat for all the people, I guess that were hiding in Carberry. (laughs) Uh Yeah. But supposedly, you know, that there's still generations going on in there and yeah, my husband was in the military also. Right. Okay. I read one true story. The guy wrote a, a book about how he tried to come across, but he just couldn't do it. He uh, he ended up not doing it. So, Aww. So there's a lot of... And we're Canadians. We always try and help people out if they want to come here, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, he was ready too. He's right at the border, everything. He had all the help and he just, he, just, he had to make his, his, some kind of moral decision. So he decided to stay. You know, and yeah. people suffer. Remember that gentleman that just a couple of years ago crossed the border and he lost all the fingers on his hands, right? Yeah. And the freezing cold. I don't yeah. remember, know if you remember that story, but well, you know, it, there's well, lots of people. This is a great country, right? Yeah. Well, you know, when you cross the border into Canada, it's automatically 40 below. You got to be careful. Yes. Bring your, yes. Bring your people don't gear. realize it. And this gentleman, I think he was actually from Somalia, right? So he was uh, totally unfamiliar with, with yeah. the, the weather here in Manitoba. But yeah, he crossed, he came up from the States and yeah, he walked in through the, through the, the bush down in the Woodridge, Woodridge area he, he crossed over. Really? Is there a lot that goes on like that down? Because there's so much, unpro- like we only have a few border crossings and there's so much border. Right. I think it was during the, you know, the presidential, you know, elections, you know, and, and you know, people were just stating the point. They were really worried about the big changes that were going to come towards, you know, they were locking up borders and they were treating different cultures a little bit differently and stuff. So these people got nervous, right? Mm. And they deserted to decided to like kind of make a pil- pilgrimage, you know, for yeah. just to see if they can get asylum here, right? Yeah. And we were taking them in too. We were taking everybody and, and actually the residents along the borders would go out purposely in the cars and they would drive and, and, and help these people. And this is actually how this one Somalian gentleman was actually saved. He was quite close to death from what I heard. Right. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for inviting me onto <laughs> your podcast. I really appreciate it. That's just, it's really, I love talking history. I love talking yeah. history, right? And especially Manitoba history. And when it comes to the abandons, right, mm-hmm. it has a special place in my heart. The one-room schoolhouses, the old churches, mm-hmm. right? I'm and we have some beautiful, beautiful buildings here. Yeah, I'm so happy you could come on because I, I literally just stumbled across your YouTube uh, channel. Uh, I was looking up things on the, um, what are they called? It's the old Delta March Field Station. It's Mallard Mallard Lodge. Oh, and yeah, yeah. So I was looking at some video of some kids breaking into it, pretending they were looking for ghosts, and I, I felt so bad. But then I came oh. across one of your videos almost right away. You referenced one of those. And uh, and I looked at it, and I was just I was like, wow. I said, this is this is like the ultimate guest for the for what we're doing. Oh, really? How yeah. lovely. And do you know who my hero was? <laughs> it <laughs> no. was Gordon, right? Yeah. yeah. And I, I have okay. listened to a couple of your podcasts. I do remember you and Gordon doing a podcast on the, the Nanton Estate. I don't know if you remember doing that one. Which one? Uh, the Nanton Estate on Roslyn Road. Okay. Yeah, I think we did remember. one. We did one podcast years ago, and it's a really long one, right? It was about an hour mm-hmm. and a half. Yeah, I just yeah, yeah and he and, and he was, and he was talking fast, and it still took oh, an hour and a half to get just that much information. It was crazy. 
There's he's a fast so, talker, but he, you know, but there's he so much to know. Yeah. Right. And he does it in a layman way so that, yeah. you know, you don't have to be on certain intellectual level to be able to enjoy the history yeah. of Manitoba. Right. And that's what's yeah. so amazing about him and being in the historical society or yes, yeah, historical society. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm part of the heritage. Right. Oh, nice. And I love. Yeah. yeah. So. So uh, I volunteer every year with Doors Open Winnipeg, and and I've gotten to be actually be able to get into some amazing, amazing buildings in the city, mm-hmm. and be in spots in those buildings where nobody else ever gets to see. Right? Oh, really? So oh. yeah, so some really amazing experiences that way too. But you know, for me, it's the road trips, right? Getting in the car and going exploring myself, and going meeting the communities, mm-hmm. right? We yeah, because you, so you get permissions to go on property and, and videotape, right? Right, because I do mindset and mindfulness. It's really yeah. important for me to do this, to do this respectfully, right? When yeah. I first started out, no, I didn't, right? Mm-hmm. But within a year, I certainly smartened up because, you know, everybody was so kind. Being an older woman, I'm 59 years old, right? Mm-hmm. Actually, in a couple of days, 59 oh, ha- years old. Happy so, early birthday. You know, Oh, thank you. Or actually, I, I, I have a saying for that. Happy pre-belated birthday. Ah, oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> right? But, you know, I always I always felt bad about going on these properties because I would actually bump into these people, right? Yeah, yeah. Or they would actually, you know, so I got used to just standing in, uh, with my car in front of the car and it would be my break to have a lunch or something because you know somebody because, you know, neighborhood watch and everything and community mm-hmm. watches here in Manitoba. Yep. Somebody would always stop mm-hmm. and they would always go, oh, that's Joe Baker's farm over there. Let me give him a quick call or, oh, you know, that's Joe Baker's farm. Oh, he doesn't care. He hasn't been on this property in 30 years. Go right. ahead, you know, yeah. be safe, right? Yeah. And especially I was so lucky with the one room schoolhouses too, because you can't get permission for those, but they are so right on those side of those roads, right? Mm-hmm. So I was just be able to go in and because it was granted land, I kind of yeah. took it out myself as, okay, it's okay for me to be here, right? And I've yeah. been into some amazing schools and some amazing schools that, you know, communities have actually put a lot of effort and a lot of money into trying to upkeep them and keep them going, right? Mm-hmm. Just until, yeah. you know, the province can find a solution because this is our heritage, right? This yeah. is, have this you is been, our heritage. Have you been up north of Olha to see... Uh, Marconi School? No, I haven't. It's been totally redone. They had a whole community, uh, like a, a committee, put that together and it and fix it up. And it's like a uh, barn raising with the community all came in and did it. Well, I don't know, but they had a whole bunch of people sign up on this committee and they they totally uh, refurbished it. It's uh, it's beautiful and the chalkboards inside. They have all the names of the teachers when they taught there. Uh, the first graduating students, they have a big plaque out front and it's a big open area. I think they use it probably for community events. It's uh, it seems like a gathering place. That reminds me of a, a, a a one room schoolhouse out in Pumas on, on a, how do I, Oh no, it was a Mennonite colony up in Pumas. And there was a community hall right next to it. Both of them were abandoned, but they still had all the, you know, the desk and the chalkboard, you mm-hmm. know, and every once in a while when the students, you know, I'm yeah. 80 years old now, but you know, I went to school here. I just wanted to say hello and you, yeah. you'd be able to read them, but you couldn't go in because these buildings had 
had foundation, stone foundations, and you would have ended up in the cellar and taking down the whole building. And yeah. I certainly did not want that kind of karma on me, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I went into the uh, Fort Lorraine and Portage. There's They have a one-room schoolhouse in amongst their buildings. And uh, once I went in there, and there's a fellow sitting in one of the seats, and uh, and he said that was the seat he sat on when in, when he was young. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Really? I know there's another another school. Oh, Somerset. Oh, I'm not quite sure. Um, but they actually redid their schools. But the whole community brought their school books and their yearbooks and oh, little wow. things that you know when yeah. people pass from the estate. And all the stuff that came from that school, from the students and stuff, they redid that whole thing. You can go in there. It's on a general, a farmer's property, and he welcomes everybody, right? But there's mm-hmm. a big, there's a big granary there too that's abandoned, right? And okay. You try to go on that property, you, you know, you're going to get your hands slapped, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But most of those granaries are actually coming down. Like my, you know, some mm-hmm. of my favorite granaries, and I used to love the granaries, taking the photographs and. You know, going to talk to the the gentleman who actually they, I don't know what they were doing there, but they were still working there doing something because they mm-hmm. would have the offices and stuff open attached to them, right? So they they were doing something there, but I don't think they were holding grains or anything anymore. Yeah. But you know, they they would offer me tours or let me stand in the door and look up the up the um, the towers and stuff, yeah. right? It was really really interesting. Yeah, and I always encourage but, people to go out to Inglis to see the elevators, and they they do give the full tours. And they explain right? it all, which is great because Ernie out there and gives you the full tour and tells you what everything did and, and what it was for. Let's you stick your I head in the I remember English, yes, yeah. and those were one of the granaries, and the yeah. gentleman did talk to me there, right? Yeah, that's awesome. But, you know, on Highway 26, too, right, mm-hmm. St. Paul's Church, right, they redid that one, um, the old Trans-Canada Highway, right, mm-hmm. with, in between uh, Portage to Prairie and Winnipeg there yeah. by Exterior, yeah. right? And and the gentleman there, um, Lawrence, you know, he he just said go in, Cindy, and I gave that a beautiful. I actually have that explore on my on my channel there, mm-hmm. and you know, he said go in there and enjoy it and and get the information and get it out there. And he is so he was so grateful because he actually was getting donations and stuff afterwards from people who wanted to contribute. Oh, nice. You know, to, yeah. to and he, and they actually have the bell, so you know, it's all been maintained like, you know, he mm-hmm. he has a little bit of a government fund that comes into him to take care of it every year. And and he has a friend who's um uh, a carpenter who comes in and replaces the pieces that have to be gone, but they always try to keep it as original as it can yeah. except they got these great big pictures on inside so everybody can see the stories mm. as you know over the decades and stuff right but you can actually go there and ring the bell oh, it's nice. amazing <laughs> and anybody can do that like highway yeah. 26 that little yep. route the the motorcyclist it's a because it's a it's the old trans canada mm-hmm. it's a nice smooth road yep. for motorcycles but it's out in the country it's out nowhere right i always and take that one any any chance i get i take that that one it's beautiful that, that and the... along the winding yeah. river and everything yeah. and you know just stop there you know anybody who has a passion and always you know if they watch and they drive by these abandoned buildings but they don't want to ask but they would love to have that experience right for themselves Mm -hmm. you know what stop off at st paul's church and have that experience and know that you're welcomed and you don't have to feel guilty and you can delve into the history of it because all that information is there and they have a little contribution box that he goes in and checks every couple of days to see if there's a couple dollars in there for helping Mm -hmm. 
to re- keep these restored buildings. I was always wanted to be a philanthropist. Like these buildings are my love, right? Yeah. If anything, if I could just at least get some tin roofing on these, you know, aluminum yeah. roofing on these, just to protect them until the province can figure out what they can do. Right? Yeah. yeah, it doesn't take much to keep keep weather out. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you know, like yeah. some of those log frame houses yep. that I have come across, those from the very, very first settlers. And you they're know? still square. A lot of them are still the, s- square and they're just Oh solid. my gosh, yeah. incredible, incredible. And I got permission to go explore, you know, uh, the people, the properties aren't being used anymore, but because you can see them on the road, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the people across the road will actually have some kind of information because they're either scooting people away from the building mm-hmm. or they know who owns them so that they could phone them, right? Yep. So I always made a point of walking across the street, right? And seeing who the neighbors were and going and have a talk with the neighbors. Mm-hmm. And you never know. Most most of the time, like I never had anybody ever say no, but again, I'm a 59 year old woman, right? Yeah. A sweet little old lady. Nobody is going to say no. Somebody yeah. <laughs> 18 or 19, well, it might be a different story. Well, maybe right? an 80 year old might look at you and say, you young kids, you get out of there. right (laughs) what are you doing in there you little (laughs) rapscallions oh i've fallen flat into a rotten raccoon right walk in the door and go flat on my face and the raccoon's just rotting and it's i I just i'm just i got ooze all over me right you know i have fallen through floorboard you know i've tried to go with places into the building that really i shouldn't be at 200 pounds i was 200 pounds at the time right so you know you shouldn't be trying to take those stairs Cindy. but you want to see what's up there it's a curiosity yeah yeah (laughs) yeah and and that's what it is it's the curiosity and you know there's probably nothing up there but there's still that curiosity to go and see but sometimes there are you know i found on zulu road uh, out by Bird's Hall Park. Now it's been taken down now, yeah. but that video is also on my on my channel. But it was a barn, and in this barn there were canoes strapped to the ceiling, and this gentleman had a workshop up top. Oh. And what he did is he did all the repairs for the statues at uh, Cross Oh the Creek Creek Creek. Um, it's Cook, right on Cook's the tip Creek? of my. Cook's Creek Church, yeah. right? The grotto. Yeah. So he did. He was the son of the man who actually made the statues. Like it was all ground granite that the women collected and stuff, but they were his designs, right? Hmm. So when I found this barn, I found tons of the life-size statues. And he didn't just do for the church. He, he was kind of a business firm because they had all the plywood, plywood crates for shipping them, right? Okay there too so and there were like historical figures and stuff really? that he did too but this was the son who took over the repair of the cook's creek statue yeah but i found the barn and there was like there was like a covered uh oh it was a spider they call it a one of my audience called it a spider it was like a a ten thousand dollar high-end vehicle that very high collectible and stuff hmm. old bikes old old religious papers from like 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 the historical very important papers but because they weren't mine to take right mm-hmm. to protect them they they probably went down with the building when the building came down right oh, really? and there was also they're also on that property you couldn't see it because it was in the bush and it was almost down but there was a log frame house there too yeah. right 
And when I was talking, there were two brothers who lived on each side of of the of the property, right? There was two brothers, and and I was talking to the one brother, right? And I was telling him what I was doing. He was telling me the story that how the son came from BC and picked up the father because there was a little. It was a small house. It was almost like a garage on the same property, but the father had been living there until the kids had decided, no, he can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So so, so they took him off to BC. So he passed away. But I was down there earlier this fall trying to find that barn just to see if I – because, you know, when I first started my channel, it takes a time to be a, become mm-hmm. a good filmer. And at that time, there wasn't stabilization on the cameras, right? And yeah. I was – quite about taking the photographs and stuff, right? Even though I was doing lots of footage, you know, those photographs are important to me too. So I went down just to see if I could do a better job on that barn because that barn, I could have stayed there for days and just poked through stuff. It was absolutely, absolutely one of the most incredible experiences, but I filmed it very bad. But you get the gist of everything that was in there that I had found when Mm. I was in there. But I was probably, well, then there were the churches, the... The Orthodox churches up by Dawson. Like, mm-hmm. have you ever seen those? Oh my gosh. And we've seen so many in small towns too. Um, yeah. Like that have been refurbished, fixed up, or used, you know, or, or functioning. Isn't that still. amazing? You yeah. know, their homes, their mm-hmm. restaurants, you know. Or churches um, still, you know. <laughs> like community, they, yeah, yeah, and communities keeping them going. Sometimes they're not even used anymore, but, yeah. you know, the community's going in there and giving them paid jobs and little repair jobs mm-hmm. and stuff. It's got to warm your heart. And what other province is doing that? A little bit in Sac. Saskatchewan right a little bit in Saskatchewan but you know this is something special like this is something so special to Canadian history that we have in Manitoba Mm -hmm. now when this coronavirus is all over right Mm -hmm. you know the premier was talking about turning the the province into the tourist capital of the world you know oh, help people to get <laughs> to help get them back bring them all here with nature and oh yeah he, he was going to do it right away yeah. good thing he didn't let's right keep them, we, now let's we keep have them for a couple issues. years and then bring them yeah, in exactly yeah. i agree with you 100 yeah. percent. right we can all look but at it first and that. fix things up yeah yeah but i could see how amazing that would be you know yeah. to be able to do bus tours mm-hmm. and 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 historical you know, tours and, you know, like maybe, maybe we could get Gordon on one of these buses and he could put, you know, okay, we're going to go see this building, this building, this building, because yeah. of his book, The Band of Manitoba and more mm-hmm. Band in Manitoba, right? Like, yeah. you know, he's got the ins, right? He's, yeah. he's got those connections that, you know, he could do something absolutely amazing that would really, really promote this pro- province and maybe get more of that you know, federal money, right? Mm-hmm. Get some of that federal money to actually preserve the the, the history of Manitoba. I'm, I'm so disappointed, right, in what's going on in Selkirk at the mm-hmm. Marine Mer- Museum, right? Like, those boats need so much love. Like, why yeah. is it not being done? Why? It's a national historic site. Yeah. Why? Why is the government, the national, the federal government, not it needs millions of dollars, and those boats cannot be replaced, mm-hmm. right? And how many people actually get down there to uh, to see it? Many, yeah. many. If people come to Winnipeg, and they make a point of getting down there to to Selkirk, and it helps sell the community of Selkirk too, mm-hmm. right? 
Well, it helps everybody. I I have a if you go back through the podcast, I spoke with uh, Captain Curtis Grimmelson, who's from Hecla, and his father operated the Hecla Ferry, the Hecla Island Ferry, oh. and oh. that that is sitting in a in a marsh in in Selkirk where they store just stored different boats, and he was asked to go and pull it out of the water and just leave it up on land basically to become scrap. And he's, he thought, well, how much more difficult would it be to haul it out of the water, put on a truck, drive it up to Hecla by the bridge and mount it? And and then he would take care of, you know, taking the, like repainting it or cleaning it up, putting a plaque up, something like that and a bit of history. And instead of just letting it go to scrap, like he thought this, it would take so little. So that's what he's doing now. He's he's started right. a project to do that. And uh I- and you know, it's just it's a why not? Like I mean, we're not asking the government to, to give two million to build a, a whole historic site around it or anything. It's just right. just give just make the boat accessible and, and let people see it. And it's what a I it's agree a pride. It's like, 100%. Yeah, and it's part of the community pride too. It's really it's really tied to that community. Oh, for yeah. sure it is. For sure, you know, like we need to promote these small communities. Otherwise, you know, they're just going to end up right because. Mm-hmm. You know, up until the 50s, Manitoba was like 80% um, um, what, agricultural, right? Yep. You yep. know, and then every everybody is like moving into the cities and stuff. And, yeah. you know, then you have like Patterson and Sons, they're gobbling up the farmland, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's wonderful because, you know, they're in shipping and distribution and, and they're feeding the world and they're making sure that there's enough for the whole world and stuff like that. But they're not, but in li- they're just, not into lifestyle. <laughs> and, and, and they're and not culture. into, and they're not into letting people on those properties yeah. to go see the buildings. Right. Yeah, yeah. But they're, they're being considerate by leaving the buildings untouched and they're, they're doing their crops and stuff around the buildings. Yeah. Well, that's probably good. just lazy. That's probably just <laughs> maybe they probably maybe did, they, they probably have a whole uh, room of accountants that are number crunching that and saying, "Oh, I'll just leave the building; it's cheaper to go around it." Or part of yeah. they're leasing this property, and it's not part of the contract that they yeah. have access to the buildings at all, right? Yeah. So then they naturally rot. But if you can't go on the land, and they won't open it up for people to learn, like who's to know, right? Who's to know? Yeah, yeah. Do you know Richard Turin? I uh, don't think so. He's somebody, you were said you were looking for somebody to interview. Him and his, his wife actually sent me a map a couple of years ago with over 300 abandoned pinpoints on it. Oh, really? um, about half of them explored by him and his wife. The mm-hmm. other ones were ones that he had found and, and but haven't acquired a permission for. And then the other half he has permissions for, but he, he hasn't had the chance to explore them yet. Oh really? He's he's on Facebook. If you if you want to just write that name down, Richard Turan. Not quite sure. T U R A R E A N E, something like that. Richard. Okay. And uh, yeah, he's somebody that you would probably a character. He's a character, and you know what? He's been doing this for a long time too. He's more about the photographs, as I was about the the um, the videos. But he was a very sweet man. To actually, you know, he enjoyed my videos and he wanted to help me out. I never, I mm-hmm. never went to look for them, but I do still have the map. So, okay, you know, well, 
I could always send you the map if you want the map. Yeah, yeah. And if it has his name and, and info or any kind of stuff like that, too, that'd be great. Yeah, and I'm sure he would be happy to do the same 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 thing for you, you know, to give that map to you and everything. But he would be a character, and I think he would be good somebody good if you were looking for people that were interested in history okay. and really had a passion for it. But, mm -hmm. yeah, Richard would be a, a really good choice because he has been around this province. Like, I've been around this province, oh, I couldn't even imagine how many times crisscrossing, crisscrossing. I yeah. probably, I haven't missed a side road or a highway in all of this province unless yeah. it got cut off by somebody gobbling up the property and growing bushes there, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. I'm actually, I'm actually bottle digging right now. You might find this interesting. I got my own archaeological dig going on right now. Bottle digging? Right, on, okay. right underneath the bridge. On St. Mary's Road. Oh, really? I'm the bank is falling in. I've been getting uh, hutches, which are so rare. Mm -hmm. I've got myself. It's Blackwoods, right? Blackwoods is now owned by Seven Up. Okay. But I've got all kinds of medicines. I've got beer bottles. I got pop bottles and special beer bottles too, right? Mm -hmm. Like the first brewer who came up from from Montana and set up a brewing company here in, in Manitoba. Right. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember EG, EG something. And I can't remember his name, but yeah, these bottles are all marked Winnipeg and wow. one's actually a hutch and some bottle diggers, some bottle diggers go their entire career in bottle digging and never find a hutch. Really? What, what is a hutch? Found it. What is it? Can you describe a, a it? Hutch, a hutch is the very first, is the very first pop bottle. It's very, very heavy. It's very chunky. It ha it kind of has a nipple kind of top on it. And it had a cork kind of, it kind of looks like a clothes, oh, okay. clothes yeah. clip. Yeah. And, and it's a stopper that goes, goes in it. Yeah. I could always send you pictures. I could send you pictures of these bottles. But if you want a really fun day, that's what I've been doing on my days off is I've been going down <laughs> okay. down there right across from the forks, right yeah. across from the fort itself, right? You okay. know, because people used to just throw their garbage on the bank, right? Mm -hmm. But the bank is falling into the river, the, the trees, roots and everything. So it's all under the dump. The old dump is underneath the tree roots and stuff, right? Okay, so everything's so, getting easier to get at. Yeah. Oh, it's so crazy. Yeah. Old ice skates, old lead soldiers pottery glasswork oh my gosh uh old locks i i can't even imagine all the things that i could tell you and interesting things things axe heads like like i just feel like i've got my own archaeological dig going on <laughs> they tore down one of the buildings right yeah. so i could just get right down on the bank now oh, wow. every once in a while once every once in a while a homeless person will come and check me out because you know the homeless like yeah. to hang out in that area too, right? But you know, I try and stay safe and the walkway is right across where there's people walking up and, yeah. and the bird comes across me and everybody's there, What's she doing? Right? <laughs> and I just kinda of wave with yeah. my garden tools and stuff, right? Wow. Nobody stopped me yet and I plan on digging out some really amazing things out of that dump. Well I wonder how far year. that would go back, yeah. The go back oh it it, it it's it's at least it's at least 20 feet deep this 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 dump it's at least 20 feet deep but i'm right at the bottom on the shore so i'm right at the bottom of that heap where they didn't because after after a few decades i guess the pile gets so high they started yeah. doing the burn downs right mm -hmm. but the bottom layers is just the garbage itself so i'm getting doll porcelain doll arms i'm just getting so much so much history, so much so amazing things what year going would, on. What year would that date back to then, that level? 
my the stuff that I'm pulling out of there is it's it's probably very early Winnipeg, very early. I'm going to say uh, eighteen ninety to nineteen ten maximum that I'm okay. digging in. Wow. I'm I'm digging in. I'm digging in early, and there might be even earlier going on there, right? Because mm-hmm. At that time, they weren't using that side of the river, right? Because usually it was the Métis who had that side of the river. Okay. Right? Hmm. Yeah, across from the fort. So, you know, they would have had no problem, you know, setting up. I'm sure they had a barge or something going across there, and they just kind of just used it mm-hmm. as their dumping ground for their garbage because they didn't want it on their side of the river, right? What were they doing with all their garbage? Mm-hmm. Oh, the amount of... And, and I pick out these old cow bones and stuff, and, <laughs> and you look at it and you go, this was somebody's meal. How incredible yeah. that this is still... Like, it's, it hasn't rotted away. It's still there. But I always worry that I'm going to find, like, a human bone or something. Because I'm not very good at knowing what my bones look like. But I know they're bones, like, yeah. when I dig them out, right? And yeah. they got a ton of patina on them and everything. Yeah, it's really it's really a lot of fun. So if anybody listens to this and they want to go steal my site, go ahead, <laughs> right? It's, yeah, just it's document free. it. Just document it's what free. you do. It's free game, and it's an experience. And just remember, you're at the, you're at the river edge. Don't fall into the river. Yeah. And, be and safe. the season's over now, but next spring, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you, you get in there fast before they start building a house there because, you know, that lot's empty and somebody's going to gobble it up because it's a great location. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's always the trouble with trying to ex- excavate things and somebody wants to build on it. And, you know, you hear, you hear stories about when they, they do excavate for buildings and they find things, they don't always tell anybody because if the government and the architects come in, they take over and can stall out a project pretty fast but wasn't it fun when they found the rails with the electric cars this past year wasn't that mm-hmm. fun when we, when they were like i was so interested and they were finding all kinds of old bottles and everything yeah. when they were digging up the portage Avenue. like i i love to hear those kind of stories right? we're, we're love, so lucky there were litter bugs back then Oh, I've been I've been uh, I've been metal detecting the Nansen Boulevard on the other side where the the old stables are. There's yeah. that blank boulevard there. Mm-hmm. Incredible, incredible. I've gotten shoehorns. Really? I've gotten coins. I've gotten jewelry. Really? Uh, I've, sa- I've saved it all. I saved it all. But the gentleman who who owned the house on Nanton Estate, right? Mm-hmm. He owns it now. There was a big house and it had one of those chicken, those fungus things growing on one of the trees. So I went in there to try and hack it off because those kill those big oaks, yeah. right? So yeah. I was trying to save the tree, but he had one of his workers in the in the building stripping it, right? Because they're going to try and save some of the wood and stuff, right? Because mm-hmm. he wants to make furniture out of it, right? Right. And protect as much of the history as they could. Because obviously the gate has to stay there, right? The gate yeah. has to stay. But but everything else had to come down because it was just rotting. And I was actually in that house too in the Nanton Estate because they made a movie in there. And I actually got to see, there's a walk-in safe, like an old, an old, um, what's that rifle company? Will, oh, I can't remember. Uh, a huge, gorgeous safe down in the basement, right? Mm. And and the beautiful woodwork that they took actually from the main mansion that they tore down when the wife moved in there, right? Yeah, okay. And she moved in by herself. But yeah, I love that. If I could still go down there and walk. But I got some amazing things. I'm a big metal. I just picked up a second metal detector. Yeah. Do you have I don't one want of... a metal detect. I don't want a metal detect by myself anymore. You know, I spend yeah. too much time on my own. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, we watched a show called Detectorists. It was a uh, it was a BBC show, and oh, okay. it was a it was a drama though. So, but it was the it was the one guy from uh, The Office. 
the the BBC version of The Office, the tall skinny right, guy. Right, 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 right. And he he wrote it, uh, and and uh, yeah, it was so it was so funny because they're they're friends, but then when they put on their headsets and went out, they didn't talk to each other. They just looked at the ground. <laughs> Oh. And then, then after they were done, they'd get together and go to the pub or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, but, but it's what? it's and nice to spend time is. with somebody still. At least they were, you know, in the same path, in the same path, and they were doing the same and, work. Yeah. And you could go out there for hours and not get anything, but mm-hmm. just that one thing that could just make your heart burst and say, "Oh my gosh, look at this yeah. eighteen seventy quarter or." Look at this half dollar, the silver even, right? Yeah, like yeah. to pick up the silver. I got lots of silver that way. And does your yeah, metal, metal detector can it? Is it is it one of those high end ones that can the that can tell different metals? So you're not just oh yeah, they can up. tell. But you know, it's not my wife. I had you know, eventually you have you have to pay the rent and stuff. So yeah. those the whites and my garrets, they they all went at some point to pay the rent. But, you know, mm-hmm. you always pick up. You can get metal detectors for $100, $150 yeah. if you really want to, right? And if you yeah. go to a garage sale, you can pick them up for $20, $30, and you can get a good one. Mine have the discriminatories on them, but, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, there are much better, better metal detectors than the ones I have, but they do the trick. Mm-hmm. They they do the trick very well, right? You just tone it down so you don't pick up the lead because you know in yep. the eighteen nineties there was a a ton of a ton of lead. But yeah. if you wanted to dig the lead, interesting items. You know they might have kind of rusted and kind of grown together and stuff, right? And have little plumes of metal and stuff growing on them. But you know when you find uh, the kids' lead toys with the wheels or the old steam engines, like mm-hmm. they're still very interesting to look at, right? How far? Do you, how far? Food. How far is is everything down now? Like how many? How much layer of of soil is as uh, accumulated above uh, things you find? Like how far down it, do you have to dig? It all depends, right? You know, are they are they forestering their 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 land or or have they built a new house where the old house used to be and they've dug it all up, right? Mm-hmm. Are they digging gardens and moving the gardens around? Like it, it's different with every 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 place you go for metal detecting, right? Wow, it's it, it's different everywhere. What's the deepest you ever had to dig for something that was a real treasure? Uh, oh, um, probably a ladle. Probably a ladle. We have property out in Woodridge, uh, um, so so we um, we have an old pioneer home it's not there anymore they burnt it they burnt it down but the spot's still there because the old stove and everything obviously didn't get Mm -hmm. melted down so you can see the spot but there's a little ravine off the side of the old house right Mm -hmm. and i guess again it was common just to throw your garbage in the ravine and then every 10 years you just throw some gasoline on it you burn it down right Mm -hmm. but i found that you know a hand a hand hewn ladle you know and you think oh my gosh you know somebody made you know had a big crockery full of beans and this was the Mm -hmm. ladle that you know they slot the (laughs) stew or slot the beans onto the plates because you know we did what we had to do to survive in the 1890s right and then the depression hit Mm -hmm. like we were manitobans because we were agricultural we we were doing pretty good plus you know you knew we were, what did they call them, piggyback families that mm. we were doing, where, you know, one family that was doing okay, if a neighbor wasn't doing okay during the Depression, 
that one family would pick up and help support that family to keep going. Yeah. But eventually it would become such a burden, right? Mm-hmm. That those families, and that's why there's a lot of abandons, they would just pick up and they would just leave, right? Yeah. Because instead of saying, oh, we can't help you anymore, we could barely help ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. They would just abandon their farms and then, you know, six years later, it reverts back to crown land and, you know, it could be lost to forest again, right? Yeah. Or kept as crown land. There's a lot of crown land out there. People don't realize. Uh, Oh, well, and all that crown land, actually, when I'm talking about Woodridge, that was actually an experiment that the Canadian government put together and had the Métis in that community. They had the Hutterites, the Mennonites, they had the Germans there, the Russians there, Mm -hmm. um, and, and they made it a community just as an experience to see if they would assimilate. And they did, and they did. But the thing is, a lot of parcel land was there too, set aside for the Métis Mm -hmm. as part of their their grants. Like each person got a little bit of land, and a lot of the Métis got land in that area, but because it was considered such terrible land, it's all swamp and rock, (laughs) right? That, that, you know, they would, they would sell it for pennies on a dollar or not even pick up the claim. And then again, it would revert back to crown land. So that's where all this crown land and stuff comes from that area. Right Mm -hmm. now it's all being mined out. Right. Even, even our land too, there's always like being offers and stuff. Right. But you know, it's difficult because you got those under, I don't know what the underground lake. Yep. You know, they have those systems in that area, too, mm-hmm. so those have to be protected now. So I don't think they'll be able to mine too close to those areas. Yeah. But you don't know, right? It's all about the money in the end, right? Yeah, it gets a little desperate. I think we've gotten everything out of the ground. Like, between, yeah. between oil, what little oil we had, it's all been dug out and... Between you know up north, they're shutting mines down, and you know now they're now they're scraping gravel pits everywhere, and it's, they got to be careful. With, it's going to turn into a desert here, you know, if you don't protect your topsoils and your grasses and your trees. It's one hundred percent going to start looking it, pretty bleak. I love you know, and that's the whole point. You know, I love my abandoned buildings. Mm. I love going out there and exploring history, but I love just as much. Manitoba's wilderness and nature yeah. and the preservation and the protection of that too, right? Yeah. So if I ever got to be a philanthropist, you know, I'm going to be slapping, you know, metal roofs on all these abandons that I can find. But we've got a yeah. whole new generation, you know, the 60s and 70s buildings have now all been abandoned too, right? Mm-hmm. So, But all they've done is they've just built a new house on the back lot of the property, right? So yeah. you've got an old house on the front end and the you know, the old one on the back and, and, and so, but there are new generations, but these are our pioneer homes. Yeah. And those are like, Nobody, those are like ready-made museums. <laughs> they already have two versions of historical ready, buildings. ready to go. And the communities, you know, those yeah. families, they're ready. If you, I bet you, if we could fix up those places, you know, and those communities get together and the governments get together, yeah. right? Uh, it, it would be a marvelous gift for Manitoba for Canada, you know, those, Japan, you know, you know how they love, they love to tour, like Anna mm-hmm. Green Gables, it's like, the, it's their favorite yeah. place in the whole world to tour, yeah. like, oh my gosh, they haven't even had spotted Manitoba yet, yeah. could you imagine if they got whiff 
of what Manitoba had, and we actually were ready for that. Yeah. Right. Well, we well, should. We should you have know, a... coronavirus. Coronavirus. Yeah. We got to think of that. But at the same time, tourism and wilderness and yep. nature is something that everybody needs to touch. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so what a great opportunity. And you know, Manitoba. What a, we could highlight the people and the province, which is so amazing like i mm. love this province it's my i'm not even from manitoba yeah. i grew up in bc i went to 11 different elementary schools I, i've lived all over bc wow. south north all over the place right the islands the okanagan right what did your so, what did your parents do then that you moved around so my my dad was an entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> Commercial so, fisherman. So off season, he would drive cab. Uh, his thing, why I went to 11 elementary schools is my dad would buy up properties mm-hmm. and six, we'd live in them for six months and he would sell them. Okay. And actually, here's another story. It, it's BC, but it's the same kind where my love for history comes from, right? It's, mm-hmm. You know, he was a cab driver and this big honcho from the government got in the car and he says, I'm going to give you a tip. He says, get up to Dawson Creek and, you know, Go buy up some land across the Alaska Highway there, buy some land, Mm -hmm. and they're building the Alaska Pipeline, and they're buying up all the land. Uh Within weeks, my dad had packed up his family, and for $14,000, he bought 360 acres in a town called Farmington, about 20 minutes out of Dawson Creek. Okay. And we lived there. You could see outside through the the slot in the walls. We had blankets as... (laughs) as insulation on the wall they had no electricity no hot water this house had not been lived in for oh at least 50 years and i'm going back 50 years right okay but this property had all kinds of out out outbuildings and stuff and we would go in them and like he used this guy was a hoarder he he fur coats and magazines (laughs) and old furniture so there's there's where my passion and that curiosity and that exploring yeah. all came from right but yeah. the funny thing is six months later only six months later he did sell that that land to the government and he made three hundred and sixty thousand dollars for his fourteen thousand dollar investment wow and that's in those days money so that's good money yeah. right that was the 70s right yeah. that was the 70s at that time wow yeah my dad my dad was an entrepreneur so but, you know, it's hard on us kids emotionally, right? Mm-hmm. Like I never, so that's a game when you're talking to me and what I'm doing and my passion for exploring. I'm doing this all by myself. Yeah. I'm I'm bushwhacking. I'm Grizzly Adams. I'm right. Jeremiah Johnson. <laughs> I'm out there and I'm doing that on my own. But this comes from my insecurity. Yeah, you're trying to connect my to limiting something. Eh? Belief, right? Because yeah. every school I went to, I would already be thinking how I was going to reinvent myself to better fit in and make better friends and right. Yeah. Make it easier on myself in the next school. Like, you know, 11 elementary schools, that would say probably almost every year I went to two schools. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's really hard on a child. Right. So, so yeah. So I, this is, you know, so I've become a little bit eccentric. Right. So, (laughs) so this is, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'm a good person. Well, it's sort you know, of, it's sort I don't of made lie, you... cheat, or steal. This is what yeah. I do. Well, right? probably made you free from the beginning in a, in a way because you, you had nothing to bond to, so you could just be yourself. You didn't have to settle in anywhere for a long haul and be a certain person. What, what a great insight that is. 
and I've been doing mindset and mindfulness now for 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 a couple of years already. Okay. Well, so, you can you can stop so now. What is amazing? <laughs> <laughs> you gave you You're gave done. me all I needed. Okay, I got that information. Let's You're move cured. on. <laughs> cured. Throw away Isn't the metal detector. Put away your boots. But you know good. what? <laughs> it was nature. It was my abandons that yeah. brought me back. To life, right? So you, you, you know, probably break... feel abandoned in a way then, in, in that sense. 100%. Yeah. It was the breakup of my marriage and me being on my own yeah. and me going for country rides and mm-hmm. drives and just being off by myself and reflecting on myself and working on myself that slowly, slowly, slowly I came back. But I 100%, no question. And that's why I'm so passionate about let's open up these buildings. Let's protect mm-hmm. these buildings. Let's turn them into yeah. museums. We, we should have a adopt right? a log cabin program or something right? through the government. I'll, I'll be that 80-year-old woman. Give me one of those buildings yeah. and say, okay, Cindy, you know. Because if they're square, shack. if they're still square, you can chink. Was it? There's two steps. It's chinking as the... Uh, Chink and plaster, right? It's like chink, right, chink, right, in between you the use, logs. You can use any any material. They'd use dung. They'd use straw. They'd use anything mm-hmm. at hand, and and mud, whatever. And then you would plaster over that, and then you have a and it works fully, and that chink. Yeah, fully functioning see, house. And you see that. that chink still when you go yeah. to these buildings and you find these log frame buildings, mm-hmm. and you see, you know, a hundred years yeah. later, that chink is. Still, yeah. right? May, might not be perfect, but it's still in there, but you weathering know, after you no renovations. Because why? because when they mix that plaster, uh, would they use lime with it? It's lime, and uh-huh. and um, it actually just it turns into stone. That's why it's so good. Oh, so not yeah. like plaster, more like stone. Yeah, it's like limestone, or you know, that you can create. So it's yeah. That's... So when when you cover it, it it that when that hardens. It it yeah, becomes stone. I get it. So when those fall out, pieces like that, they crack and they they fall out in chunks. It doesn't just crumble away, or you know, probably dusts away over time. But it doesn't uh, it doesn't just disintegrate. It'll it'll stay chunky. So isn't that some more great insight, right? Mm-hmm. But unless we have these conversations, yeah. right? How do we learn, right? Yeah. So if you, you went know, out, so if, you have yeah. If a, if a person went out, got their hands dirty, and did and did one of these log cabins your walls would be good for another hundred years and then just put on a better roof, you know, and, and some kind of floor inside, man, exactly. you know, and people used to live on dirt floors. They just packed the dirt down and that was fine, you know, for what they, what a person needs. If you're a clean living person, you know, you can live in a tent, you can live on a dirt floor, you can live anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. people nowadays that look at you and thumb their nose and say, wow, you're going to, you know, you're going to get COVID faster or something, but they don't know, you know. I'm just trying to remember the name of that church, um, Union Point Church on Highway 75. Have you been to that church? Where's that near? Uh, Highway 75, it's right in the meridian as you're heading into the state. Yeah, you drive right by it okay. before you get to Morris, right? When you go into that church, it's the only building left of a ghost town, right? And okay. a farmer and his family have been taking care of this church for the longest time. We were, we were talking about fixing them up and everything. And he's been maintaining this church. And it's a beautiful church. As you're driving down the highway, yeah. it looks like a beautiful church. But when you walk into the church, there's big holes in the ceiling. The, mm. wind, the rain is pouring onto the pews, onto yeah. the seating, you Jeez. know. It's got beautiful, it's probably got some of the most beautiful stained glass in that little church. It's just a teeny church, right? Mm-hmm. They used to 
rent it out for people to do weddings and that you can't do it anymore. No. It needs a little bit of money. It just yeah. it doesn't need much. It needs a new roof, right? It's and like I a, did see some go I was, was going to say, it's like a lot of the old barns or a lot of old houses. They just need a roof. Exactly. Know? You know, if you don't have the money to fix it, you know, can you at least get a roof on it, you know, yeah. so that it, it gives it an extra five or 10 years until we can figure something out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just until we can figure something out. Mm hmm. But instead, they just let it go. They don't care. They Sad. just they they just let it rot. And sometimes they do it on purpose, right? Yeah. Like I'm 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 worried about some of the buildings, even in our own city, that are are just sitting there waiting for somebody to mm -hmm. love on them, right? You know, like like at yeah. St. Boniface Courthouse, the old fire station right behind the courthouse, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's been abandoned for how long? The trains are the, the old. Fire fire trucks are still in absolutely amazing. If you you can peek at them through the window, if you want to go and take a peek at them, mm -hmm. you can still see the see the the fire trucks back there. But but you know the the roof and that one's got like red brick towers and stuff. What's going to happen if somebody doesn't come and love on this building? That whole tower is just going to cave in. Yeah, <laughs> and it's a big tower. <laughs> I heard about a house out of, near Steinbeck out in the country. People were talking about and it had. It had, uh, I don't know if some kids had burned it or like it had already been falling apart and all that. But the only thing standing now is the chimney. And they <laughs> they say it's so well built, the stone chimney, that it'll probably never fall down. And this there, just... was a house like, there was a house like that out by the gra granite pits in um, Garvin. Yeah. And it was right on highway number 44 there, right? And, you know, and I, and, and the whole house was caved in, but the wood was being held up by the chimney stack, mm -hmm. right? By yeah. the chimney stack. And you could see, and you looked inside, and you could see that some mother had painted flowers and mm. stuff on the stack into the concrete and the bricks and stuff. And you could see the little benches. Like, you couldn't get in. Like, that, otherwise, mm. the rest of it would fall on you. But, yeah. you know, when you find those chimney stacks, you know, it's not it's not one of those 1,700 buildings that, that you know, from the Civil War and stuff, when mm. I watch my metal detect, like Hoover Boys, I watch and stealth stickers and my metal detecting channels, you know, and they go after those Civil War 1700s uh, and, and very early, early settlers, right? Mm -hmm. But there is some amazing relics and some amazing, you know, architecture that is savable. Like, it, you know, if I could have gotten under there and dragged out a bench and put it on the side of the road, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it would have been saved, but, you know, now it's gone, right? Yeah, now yeah. it's gone. And so many, like, even when I'm looking at my, my channel, at my videos, there are so many of those those buildings that I have explored that are gone, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I know of a few. And on yeah. that train station, right? Yeah, There's, I saw that one, yeah. Oh my gosh, and and that that one for sure. It it's got a year maximum before the whole thing caves in. Yeah, the, just yeah. become barn board. But, It'll be be somebody's bedroom in the city, some condo, some fancy headboard. But wouldn't that have made the most amazing little museum? Yep. Right. Yeah. And on top of that, the railway workers, right, the guys who ran that train and worked that train, they made their own little shanty town right across the street mm -hmm. right right across and all miniature miniature little log frame houses and different types of style each man had their own little ideas but mm -hmm. you know they would put hardwood floors and trim like yeah. little chandeliers and stuff in them like they were just like the cutest things and that's what they kind of did mm -hmm. on their off time of working on the train right yeah, yeah. but i'm sure they had barns well there were barns because i saw them caved in mm -hmm. but 
you know, in the end, some guy was using them as, as hoarding places because he was like a TV radio fixer-upper and he was just using them for okay. equipment. Yeah. But in one of those buildings, in one of those buildings, and I know it's still there, in perfect shape hmm. are the original windows for that train station. If anybody wanted to save those windows, yeah. they are in one of those shacks across the street and they are in perfect shape because I saw them last fall okay. and they're still in perfect shape. So, you know, somebody should save them, get them to a museum or something, right? Mm-hmm. You know, or use them because that style, he was a famous designer of railway stations, right? That okay. style, there's two or three and more of those train stations that are actually are museums that might be able to use those windows too oh, really? and be able yeah, to have yeah. original windows, right? Wow. But it wasn't it wasn't mine for the taking, so mm-hmm. I never I never touched it, right? Yeah. But I knew that I knew they were there and I recognized them right away just because of the paint jobs, how they matched on the on the train station, every everything, the trim work and everything. Like I see it was a perfect match, right? So mm-hmm. I knew for sure and the sizing and everything. I knew I knew they belonged to the train station. So yeah. those are saved. Those are saved. If somebody wants to go and just go get them, that's all. Just pick just, them up. Go get them. Yeah, just go get them. Yeah. Like, right? They so, have to be saved. So are you writing a book or something? No. Are you <laughs> going to make a documentary could, or something or something? Uh, well, what I want to do is I want to um, continue on with my exploring, right? Whether it's my ghost towns or, you know, towns that are now retirement towns that are very close to being gas ghost mm-hmm. towns right so I'm, i want to continue promoting it right like gordon does i would mm-hmm. like to do the same way but i've been in video on youtube now since 2014 with my videos mm-hmm. right so so i would like to continue on this aspect right but I, if i were to write a book yeah i would be doing it on my my own personal journey in life and this would be a part of that story but it wouldn't be the whole story right yeah well, Again, I would be. be including. It could be I'll interwoven. Be that, let it, yeah, it, it can oh, be definitely. The, it can be the skeleton that your whole story hangs on. <laughs> right, yeah. right. And my love for Manitoba. Yeah. And I would go into the history because, you know, I, I go all the way back. And, and I look for those odd stories that people don't know. You know, you heard about that little boy, right? It was mm-hmm. 18, 1895. And, you know, he got lost and he ended up going into a into a den now what was the animal and it was very vicious animal animal but it was so the badger boy remember the badger boy story right and he was there for three days and he didn't even want to leave he was taking babysitting the babysitting the babies baby badgers while the while the parents were going off hunting for meat and they were bringing stuff home mice Mm -hmm. and stuff home for him Mm -hmm. and he actually survived in a badger oh isn't that Mm -hmm. neat that you know but these are stories that people don't know right yeah. And we have to search them out. Not of us who are storytellers. It's have, our responsibility to keep these stories alive, right? Have you seen the digitized books on the Manitoba Historical Society website where they've taken accounts of the people that wrote in the late 1800s that are writing books already? I and, read them uh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. They're a great resource, right? So fascinating. A, a great source. But Heritage Winnipeg does the same thing, but they stay within Winnipeg, right? Mm-hmm. The buildings in the Winnipeg and the important people that started. Yeah. And, you know, that's all important. But, you know, there were lots of people out 
in the countryside, like, you know, like the Carberry Mansion, the gentleman, he was part of Parliament, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and he was way out in the boonies. He had, mm-hmm. what, 6,000 acres out there, right? Yeah, yeah. He was the man. He yeah. was the man. <laughs> he did do a very good job on building his mansion because there was no way to <laughs> keep it up. But yeah. you know what? <laughs> he, You know, there were important people all over this province. Yeah. And those and and all of them have stories, and lots of those stories are in these buildings that that I explored, right? So have you only lived in Winnipeg, or have you lived in other parts of Manitoba? Uh, no, I've uh, I, I've always lived in Winnipeg. Yes, I've okay. I've never lived out. I've never lived outside of Winnipeg. My brother-in-law has land out in Woodridge, right? So mm-hmm. I spend a lot of my time outdoors you know, snowmobiling, snowshoeing. I, I have a, I do, um, bushcraft videos on my YouTube video uh, channel too. So, so I've got a, I've got a fort going on out there. So I did a couple of seasons of, I called it surviving Cindy because, you know, (laughs) even though I love nature, I'm, you know, and love bushwhacking and Jeremiah Johnson, you know, it's a love. It's not an, I'm not experienced, you know, like you really wouldn't want to consider me Grizzly Adams because yeah. (laughs) I mean, you can end up on my doorstep here on Winnipeg and I'll save you, but no, don't don't (laughs) pretend to me out in the bush. Definitely not. I've gotten myself in some serious, serious situations, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. exploring it on a day that was probably one of the coldest days of the years one year. And I, I started on this road, right? Mm-hmm. I thought, Oh, this is a neat road. I saw an abandoned. So I was driving down the road and I was driving down the road, but the road got so narrow, narrow, narrow and the snow, it was snowing and everything. Oh. And I was driving, I drove down so far that I finally, it turned out it wasn't even a road. It was somebody's driveway that it only <laughs> took an hour to get to. As soon as I saw the farm that I was driving into, I tried to do a U-turn, yeah, right? Yeah. And I got stuck. My friend uh, in my car got stuck. It was 40 below zero. It oh was no. cold, right? I got stuck there. I walked down to that farm with the dogs on my heels, nipping <laughs> at my butt, knocked yeah. on the door. Nobody was there. I bawled my eyes out. Uh, I tried to dig myself. I thought I was a goner. So I was waiting for dark yeah. just because it was in the valleys around Brandon area. That, you know, I actually, I wanted to be able to see a light out in the distance somewhere that I could start walking towards, right? It was Mm -hmm. a very scary situation. But then I, something hit me and I said, go try that farm one more time. Mm -hmm. And I went down there because there were cows wandering around Mm -hmm. down there, right? So I knew somebody lived there. So I knocked on the door again and instantly somebody opened up the door in total surprise that that was me with icicles and (laughs) snowballs and everything. And I was bawling my eyes out because I thought I was a goner. I truly thought I was a goner, right? And and I was bawling my eyes out. But it turned out there was a back end road that was coming in from Brandon that I didn't see. So they came in in a road behind their house, Mm -hmm. right? So I was very, very lucky that I actually double checked because I could have been a goner. I could have used up all my gas Mm -hmm. being warm for maybe half the night. And then I would have run out of that. And then I would have been a goner. So it taught me a lesson about going exploring in the winter. And I love my winter explorers as much as I love my summer explorers. But, you know, it's, you have to be careful. We live in Manitoba. And if you're on the highway and you lift your hood, I mean, guarantee 30 seconds, somebody's going to stop to help you out. Yep. We're Manitobans. That's what we do. We, yep. we take care of each other. But who's going to see me four miles in on a, yeah, on a, exactly. on a, a snow-packed road? Nobody, right? Yeah. So taught me a lesson. You've got to be careful, right? I've been, out, are... I've been out in the middle of my nowhere. 
just you know videotaping the sky or something and and you'll see it the same people a mile down going back and forth and then they'll come over and see if you're if you have trouble right you know and you're, you're like no in the one case it was just young kid like a couple of young kids probably 16 whatever just hey you okay you have any and i said no no just video video in this rude clouds <laughs> you know or whatever and they're like, yeah, okay. And well, you know, they're like, and oh. you know where that comes from. Yeah. That becomes comes from our extreme yeah. temperatures, right? Yeah. You know, we know Manitobans know that we depend on each other to mm-hmm. survive, right? We learned that early. It takes all kinds to make the world, right? If you if if you're so stubborn and you have so much pride that you can't take help and kindness from somebody from a different denomination mm-hmm. or a different nationality. Well, (laughs) maybe you're living in the wrong province because Manitobans are multicultural and probably the most multicultural Mm -hmm. of all the provinces, right? And we love on each other and, you know, there's prejudice everywhere. But, you know, I'm pretty proud of Manitoba and how we respect each other, right? Well, this brings us to an interesting point I wanted to ask you about is, or just a, a, um, a guidance, I guess when you prepare to go on a road trip and I guess you do certain things to, to prepare, but can you describe what a person needs to know or what they should expect if they decide to uh, leave Brandon or Portage or Winnipeg or Winkler, some, some, some safe kind of town and they want to go out just driving around, what should they do to prepare for that? Number one, make sure you have a jerry can, right? Because quite lots, that you you you're out there but you know you you expect there to be little towns around you right so mm-hmm. you don't want to be running out of gas right okay make sure you make sure you have a jerry can make sure you have a blanket a pair of snow pants make sure you have a freezer bag even right if, you, if it's a family drive or something just mm-hmm. even a freezer bag with like band-aids and and you know wax some wooden um wooden uh, matches and stuff and cotton balls you know when you're out in the forest scrape some of that white resin off of the birch trees because that makes really really good fire fire starter especially mm-hmm. if you get stuck out there right yeah. remember just look for the north side of the tree and you'll see that white sap even in the winter and you could just scrape it off with a with a knife or a stick or something and then you could just use that as fire starter right you can even eat the sap from a birch tree and it's almost like maple Mm. sap right it tastes a little more bitter Mm -hmm. but you know you could survive on that if you needed needed food but you know when it comes to leaving the house make sure your tires are good make sure you have a a spare tire make sure you have one windshield wiper washer yeah like for sure because the bugs and the dust and on those side roads, right, you know, we have a stop sign on those intersections, just like we do in the city. But the difference is when you see that stop sign coming up, and even if it's on the other person's side, you mm-hmm. need to stop. You need to consider it a four-way stop, even if there's only one stop sign, because you're out in the country. And those farmers, lots of times, you know, they'll get one or two people a week driving down their road. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're free to drive the way they want because they're comfortable that way. But, you know, it only takes one time yeah. to get in an accident, right? And only it only takes one time to, to get into an accident. Make sure you have your blankets. Make sure you have food and snacks and stuff for a couple of days. 
make sure you have bio biodegradable toilet paper with you, right? Mm-hmm. You're not you don't want to be polluting our our province and 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 making us not look pretty, yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. And when you're out there, take advantage of the fall suppers. Visit the towns. Go for a fall supper. Yeah. See what the other communities are like. When you're out on the road, go stop into these towns. Go to the cafes. Support those little restaurants and pop into the post office and get some information, right? Mm-hmm. Say hello. Tell them what you're doing. And, you know, they'll tell you a story at the very least of mm-hmm. a Manitoba history or something their grandfather like everybody has a story they would love to pass on that they would just absolutely love to pass on right but if they thought maybe that you might pass it on mm-hmm. they might think of telling you right yeah and there's lots of little stores still that are like the one it's like the one room schoolhouse except for it's the everything store you know that are so great and some of those sometimes that's almost all the community is is a right? little post office general store yeah. Exactly. Lots of those towns like that, you know, they're, you know, start, but then again, you know, look what's happening with Nipawa now. That was a retirement town that was heading down that route of mm-hmm. being, you know, a ghost town, but those chicken factories, they left it open. And when the, when the, the, the Filipinos, they, they, they decided that they wanted to settle in that area. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Manitoba might have the first official Filipino city, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like it's it's incredible to think because yeah. that whole community is is a lot of Filipino in that yeah. community. When I was and a, they when all I, have great jobs. When I was a kid, Nipawa or Nipawa was not as not very big. Minidosa was the big town up there. Oh and, really? And now it's backwards. It's like Minidosa sort of become real quiet and shrunken back. It's because of the intersection with all the highways, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah it's so, kind of out of the way. You just drive yeah, by so, it. <laughs> yeah, it's just like... There, number five, number ten. Yeah. Oh, there's a, it's an intersection of a, a few highways in that area. So it's a really, really good place to to have a, a larger town or mm-hmm. smaller city, right? So mm-hmm. I'm really, really pleased on how how that uh, how that uh, how Nipawa is actually turned into. And there are houses that have been turned. We have a I can't remember, but we have Margaret. We have a. A, a fa- very famous writer that oh, Margaret from- Lawrence, yeah, Margaret. Yes, Lawrence one. Yeah. Yes, Margaret Lawrence House is there too. So mm-hmm. you know, you're protecting buildings by by promoting towns. You're mm-hmm. actually saving important history in just doing that. Yeah, right. Because you you could have little kids running around breaking windows, turning it into mm-hmm. the haunted house at Halloween, and and next thing you know, it's just yeah. another pile of wood sitting on the ground right yeah there was we a do a you remember chance. do you remember a beautiful house on the east side of nipawa as you would if you're heading into it heading west and it was on the south side just just as you sort of got into the town and there's this beautiful big castle-like house that was i am trying to think and yeah. i can't offhand and remember it and the last time i went through there it's gone so oh really yeah i think it was falling apart and all that and it was you know, triplexed or something, and the owner didn't. I guess by the time they they figured they should put something into, it's it probably too late. Foundation was probably gone, but it exactly. was just uh, yeah. It's just it was amazing little thing to see as you came into town, and and sometimes because it's the highway, it's, that might be the only interesting thing you saw. <laughs> you exactly. Know? And now it's gone. Right? You know, and you're not turning into town. You're just going through. So, yeah, it's kind of sad when landmarks like that disappear. 
And you know what? What a great way for families. I'm going to go back to this. You know, my dad did Sunday drives. If he wasn't fishing, if he was home, he was all about the family. On mm-hmm. Sundays, we were going for country drives. So there's where the country drives, me going off mm-hmm. by myself comes from, right? Yeah. But you know what? My dad did that. Now, this is a great advice because children, they're having difficulties now, right? Lots of mm-hmm. lots of parents are trying to raise their children on their own. The money isn't there. The hairy scary of the virus, the uncertainty of the world right everybody wants the best for the children they don't know the kids are growing up being silent and not talking about their their issues because you know the 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 parents don't understand the internet and the digital age and they're like get off the phone what are you Mm -hmm. doing you lazy good for nothing get off playing video games what are you doing right Mm -hmm. so the kids feel like they're not being understood so it's a different generation my Mm -hmm. dad taking us kids on the road but it's the same idea Being able to get into your kid's head Mm -hmm. because they're trapped in the car for you for a drive, right? Mm -hmm. So what are they going to do? You're going to have 100% their attention (laughs) and you'll be able to delve into and kind of get a feel of what your kids need, right? You know, like if nothing else, that is absolutely a gift in itself, right? And people don't realize like, you know, your kids can't get away from you in the car. Go for a drive. Right. Just say, hey, yeah. we're going to Nipawa. We're going we're going to or oh what's it? Dominion City to that Chinese famous Chinese food restaurant that has mm-hmm. lineups. Yeah. Right? A yeah. little teeny weeny town and it's a famous Chinese food restaurant. People drive all the way from Winnipeg, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> to go have dinner there, right? Yeah. Like go do something like that. Well then right? even Make even it doing a full what, experience. Yeah, and even doing what you do where you go and you know, find a place where you can go and show them an old house or an old property. You know, it's, it's going to take them a few times to get into it. So you can't just say, oh, they didn't care and they, they moped around. Because, right. you know, the more they're exposed to it, the more they'll find it interesting and things to do. But that's, it, it just takes being around things to to get into it and to help open somebody some else up great, to it. And that's some great insight right there, too. Because that's what it is, you know. Because mm-hmm. a lot of things, we if we're not, if, we, if it's not brought out to us like a appetizer platter Mm -hmm. right we're not going to pick and choose right so it Mm -hmm. has to be available to us and us all being trapped in the houses us not interacting with each other us not being you know uh being drawn to the interest in it in school right if the teachers were interested in it then they would promote it more and then this love would be built into the into the children too and not be something for old people to be doing, right? Yeah. Just, you know, history should be a love for, for everybody. And I try to make my videos in a way so that, you know, any age group, like when you when I look at my analytics in my YouTube channel, like I have all age brackets that absolutely love my videos. Mm-hmm. And just because I'm, I'm an old person, right, or mm-hmm. older, more mature person, right, yeah, yeah. you know, it doesn't mean that this is not an interesting topic that other people would find, wouldn't find interesting, and if they found my channel, then maybe they would find those younger urban, they're called urban explorers, mm-hmm. right, they'd find those younger urban explorers who are probably breaking in to get into these places, right, to yeah. document, but, you know, at least it's feeding into their imagination. It's feeding into their their ideas of oh wow, interesting is actually quite interesting. You know, in my mm-hmm. when I was in school, I remember like in grade one even, 
I was all about the dinosaurs, right? Mm -hmm. By the time I was 10 or 11 years old, I wanted to be an archaeologist. It was my dream to be an archaeologist, but because all those school changes, Mm -hmm. right? And all the mix up in me, I couldn't do school. Like, you know, when school was over for me, I couldn't, I I Mm -hmm. didn't want to, right? Because I was, it was such an unpleasant experience for me. So I lost that potential of being an archaeologist. Now, what am I doing? I'm vicariously (laughs) coming in the back door and I'm doing it anyway. I'm finding a way. I'm finding a way of doing it anyway. Yeah, because back in the day too, people people were all kinds of things. You know, you'd you'd wear many different hats as amateur this and amateur that and amateur whatever. And now it's like, well, if you don't have a specific degree in something, you can't do it. And it's, it's like, yeah, I can. (laughs) <laughs> anybody can, right? And they know. want you to be an expert yeah. and have a flavor and a passion for one thing. Yeah. But you have to have multi passions. You have to have, what do they say? You have to have a hobby. Hmm. You have to have, um, <laughs> uh, oh, there were a few things. Oh, and I was just doing it yesterday and I totally lost it. Hmm. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. But that's the thing, like everybody's got their kids now from two years old playing hockey because when you're 20, you're going to want to do that and you're going to make millions of dollars. And the kids, kids like, I don't know, I want to play baseball or something, you know. Right? And, and now it's like, no, you got to be pigeonholed right away and we're going to dump all our money into you. And if you don't like hockey, we're going to be mad at you, <laughs> you know, because it costs and, all and this see, money. And then, the, and then the kids up, end up growing up yeah. with limiting beliefs and and feeling that they're not enough yeah. right yeah you know and that's the world that we live in you know parents do the best they can but we all got wow. brought up by somebody else's ideas of who we should be if you and haven't taken your kid on a on a country road trip i don't think you're doing the best you can 100 percent, 100 i agree with you 100 yeah. you need to go for country drive yeah country drives every sunday pack it's, the kids up it, yeah it's right there it's right there Pick if you're it. in the middle of winnipeg it's no more than half an hour to get out into a country road oh so many places you know? and, and and i'm not saying like you have to do abandon go up to pinawa dam yeah. for a picnic go to yeah. pinawa dam for a picnic and go don't take a highway take a, Mar- find yeah. different roads to take yeah Take different side roads, you know, start start on 59, go down 44, then go up, you know, mm-hmm. Provincial Road 119 and yeah. end up on a road that doesn't even have a name. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, 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 and if it says no what? through road, take it anyway and see where you end up. And you might end up with an experience that lasts you a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You might end up with a passion that, that uh, carries you on through your life and then maybe inspires you to be to be the person actually who might protect these buildings if mm-hmm. we can't get to it yeah. maybe that person maybe maybe somebody listening to this podcast of yours right now mm-hmm. is going to be inspired to check this out and he would never have seen it if it wasn't for your podcast yeah. and then all of a sudden he says oh my god i have nothing to live for in my life you know mm-hmm. and nobody's taking care of these these buildings and I've got a gazillion dollars, mm-hmm. right? Let's do something. And it's cause and effect. And you contributed to that. And that goodwill comes a little bit to you, a little bit of credit for being brave enough and smart enough and open enough to do something like this in your podcast, right? It's just a matter of 
getting the word out there to everybody. And I, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. And I think it's absolutely amazing that you do your, your podcast. How long have you been doing this? Uh, we've done a few years. We've been sort of at it, but uh, we just decided this year to get serious about it. So, so uh, wonderful, yeah. wonderful. You're the sound. Absolutely amazing. You have the voice for it. No question. <laughs> like you have an amazing voice for, for what you're, you're doing right now. And do you love it? I, I I do. I think when I was back in college, they I wanted to take uh, technical stuff, and I, that's the the path I chose. But I had some teachers oh, okay. that said you should do the on air stuff, and I I don't know. I didn't have any confidence back then for that, so I don't know. I just sort of yeah. I just I got into this doing this way. I tried to get other people cajoled into it, but it's tough, you know, when you're starting something up. So I just thought, one hundred percent. Are you an entrepreneur? <laughs> I think so. Are you an entrepreneur? Well, always broke. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this and this is what you're trying to do: make yeah. your passion, yeah. your life, your income, so that you know you. It's not your side hobby because yeah. when it's your income, when it's yeah. your income, when you can get some sponsors in there, when you can get the mm-hmm. word out, you can get these people involved in your podcast, right? Yep. Then what you can do is you can do more because mm-hmm. you freed that space up that you're not doing that nine to five job anymore, yeah. that you're actually able to devote all your time into this, into the research and finding people to interview, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and to get that information out, you can actually do a really lot of good. So yeah. I really I'm hoping for that for you. I'm hoping I'm oh, hoping for that for myself too. Yeah, but yeah. I really, really hope for you because this is absolutely amazing, and especially when you have Gordon on your side, right? Mm-hmm. He's an amazing, amazing gentleman, and yeah. uh, and and he has, you know, this is his second time around as president. Is that is that? Is I, that I'm not. Right? Sh- I'm not sure about that. I don't get involved in uh, committees anymore. Oh, 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 oh I think. Well, <laughs> yeah. I didn't either. I just, I just, I kind of follow him because you know he does. He does my passion. <laughs> And my abandoned buildings all have a link to his Amazon page for mm-hmm. for his book, right? So mm-hmm. if anybody did want want his book, there on my, all my videos there is a link to his books, and his books yeah. are absolutely beautiful, super insightful, mm-hmm. right? And they'll be just as popular a hundred years from now as they were, you know, twenty years ago when he yeah. wrote them, right? Yeah, I want to ask you too with your your um, analytics on your YouTube site. Can you see where people are geographically, and and uh, if so, where do you? Yeah. Who do you find looking at these uh, videos the most? Uh, the Americans, uh, actually, let me just go into my analytics here. The Americans actually um, uh, love my love my channel, right? Um, okay. Uh, I, I get people all the time. Actually, I had a woman from California come up and visit me for a little while, and we went for a drive and stuff. And we went to visit a couple of uh, abandoned houses while she was while she was here visiting mm. and stuff. You know, mm-hmm. so the Americans absolutely, absolutely love this. But you know, I get people from all over the world. Australia, people in Australia really like my video. Huh. I have a, a, a urban explorer friend in in belgium he's one of the top urban explorers in in europe and me and him are planning next august to get together and he's going to take me camping in norway oh. we'll see if i can manage that one nice. financially but you know he 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 does castles and 
chalets and he does the most amazing amazing places like yeah he does caves and yeah. tunnels and oh sorry. and but that's real history you know yeah. like you know he'll go down to the catacombs and stuff too yeah. right like you know so so you know a lot of europeans they they like my stuff too so but but not as much in not as much in Canada. But we take this stuff for granted, right? Mm, yeah. You know, because we see it. It's it's here. It's you know. So you know, maybe that's why they these buildings aren't getting their love because we're just used to seeing them rotting all over the place. That yeah. you know, you know that that. But if these these buildings were in other countries or under other cities, they would be so well protected. They would be so well taken care of, right? Because. Yeah people would see the value in saving these things, right? Yeah. Well, we're always aiming to be some big urban metropolis kind of thing that we're not. And and we've really, you know, as a, as a culture, I think... Never, we're we turning never our, will be. Yeah, because we're turning our back on what we are and what we should be just... And it doesn't take much to keep this stuff in some kind of shape just so we can see it. You and know. as long as Patterson and Sons is holding on to all that land, it'll always be farmland and agricultural yeah. and stuff right so you'll, mm-hmm. you you won't be able to move towns and houses and properties into this because mm-hmm. you'd be taking away the the food off people's tables yeah. right well a lot of i think i don't know if this is true or not but i thought a lot of people should move back to these homesteads if you want to work in a town or you want to work remote you can still live on a lot of these existing pieces of land that have an approach and probably a well and uh you know you can get back in you don't have to you know, uh, plow the back 40 or, or run right. a herd of cattle or run a bunch, you know, you can have a nice little mix farm for yourself, a kitchen right. garden, it, and you can, you know, it'll get you through winter almost, but you can have this great rural experience without the pressures that our forebearers had, where we had to, they had to make it through a whole year to get to that next crop in August, where, where now, you know, you can, you can work for Patterson probably, and, and have the, the, the good life. And I'm, I'm surprised so many people glom into cities and then complain, oh, we just have this miserable inner city experience. It's like, well, why don't you go, if you're going to be living on the edge financially anyway and you're going to be miserable, why don't you go out and do something where your family can have stretched your legs, have a little fresh air, do a little work, and you might find you're not so miserable anymore. You You know, you could have a good life. Well, I don't know if you've heard about this, but Elon Musk, is going to be financing uh, satellite for rural Canada. They, he's decided mm-hmm. that Canada is going to be the test spot for that. So there, there's going to be internet, perfect internet for absolutely every everybody available. You know, but we what? lose our sky then. There. But we lose huh? our sky. We lose our uh, our celestial, beautiful sky because all these satellites go up and they they shine on us. Oh, well, I'll give yeah. one to Elon in order for me <laughs> to keep going with my YouTube channel. But I would think, I would think of going and being a homesteader, starting yeah. my own little homestead. Because I love, I, I love that peacefulness and yeah. I love being on my own and stuff. And I would just put, you know, those solar panels on the roof. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, my plan was always to have an amethyst mine, right? And slowly mm. use the value of my amethyst to build myself a, a nature mindfulness mindset retreat right, right up yeah. north around the Bisset area right so right. so and i love that's my favorite area of the whole city but there are the whole province but there's mm-hmm. not a lot of abandoned out there a lot of abandoned mines but yeah. 
there's not a not a lot of abandoned out there. But for where it comes to abandoned, I just love the Dawson area mm-hmm. and 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 uh, the Plumas area. I just really I just really love those yeah. areas. Yeah, for around yeah. Kelwood too, where you can see the escarpment and all that. It's just yeah. oh, beautiful. Nobody knows we have that kind of view. <laughs> right, so, yeah. and and. People don't even know that that our topography topography is so varied. Like you can yeah. get deserts, you can get you mm-hmm. can get lakes, you can get yeah. uh, rolling landscape terrain, yeah. like boreal forests. Like yeah. we have absolutely everything in Manitoba. Like absolutely mm-hmm. everything. Right? We're looking at the grades on the east side of of Riding Mountain. You they're they're mainly horse trails up in there, but it's right on the escarpment and the incline is like it's like a 40 degree incline all the way up into the camp places so if you want to yeah if you want to feel like you're climbing a mountain or something just go there (laughs) wow yeah i've never been in there i did the hike to uh gray owls cabin (laughs) but he wasn't he didn't like it there he he you know he grumbled he complained and he got himself transferred to saskatchewan well you know why is is because or something uh, well, he he was in in Riding Mountain there, and he said for these rivers to the waterways to function properly outside of the park, we have to take care of. We have to be mindful of what's going on out in the farmland, and they uh... and they had no influence out in the farmlands, so the waterways wouldn't actually work for what he was doing with the beavers. And, right too, we were using yeah. a lot of chemicals, right? Yeah. And so. Um, yeah, some, but they're plugging them or I don't know. It was, it was too, it was too funky for him, and he said it's not going to work right. So, yeah, when he went up to Prince Albert, like I saw a, vid- a video of a guy who paddled out to his cabin out there, and it's an immense lake. It had loons like crazy on it. It's just wide open. And, and he then, had his two pet beavers. Yeah, and so when he got to there, like uh, you get to the edge of that that lake, you have to paddle right across it, and then you can either paddle around to where he was down a river or hike across land. But it's um, you know it's completely different landscape than what Riding Mountain is, so I guess he found that more amenable to whatever plan he had. And but, he was the first one to actually stick up for mm-hmm. for you know the nature and for us you know taking care of the land and everything. Yeah. And you know he represented himself as somebody that he wasn't, and mm-hmm. he got caught caught in the end. But you know, you know, it, I think it, he represented himself. Character. He represented himself as His somebody who he self. as somebody who he is. Yeah, who he wanted. And to nobody be. liked that because they didn't want to protect nature at that time. They wanted to break up all the land. I agree with yeah. you one hundred percent, one hundred percent on that too, because. You know, it was his passion, it was his love, and he made himself, he he, he created himself to be the person that he wanted to be, mm-hmm. right? And, and and he did he did exactly like, exactly that, and as far as I'm concerned, he didn't misrepresent himself as mm-hmm. anything. I mean, you know, like, you know, maybe he wasn't indigenous, like, yeah. like he let people think that he was, but, you know, he cared for the land like he was, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he held to the traditions and the stories like he was, and he mm-hmm. actually loved it, right? And he actually married, yeah, right? Yeah. He actually married and took that on as his life, and he lived that way yeah. his entire life. So it, he was truly in his heart, right? Yeah, yeah and he wrote yeah. about it. You know, he's actually had enough commitment to sit down and, and tell us what he was doing and why and, and what we should be thinking about. 
you know i don't see a I've lot of his i've never read his own personal account i've always yeah. read other people's accounts and oh, i think that books. would have been prejudice oh yeah. okay yes yeah, i books. i did know he had books but i've never mm-hmm. read any of his any of his personal accounts right and i yeah. do i work in a, i work in a store that these old books always pop into the store every once okay. in a while and i've seen his books come up big eh? yeah yeah yes grab one when when you see him, see one <laughs> i will and i will and i will because i i do love history but again we do live in a digital age yep. right so everything i learn now i'm learning it online mm-hmm. i'm learning on their line and there's no reason out there that anybody if you even get an inkling that you might be interested like google something mm-hmm. google just google it and it will just take you on a ride just go yep. start watching some videos and YouTube will take you on a journey. Yep. Right. And every morning, once a day, <laughs> watch one of the three videos that YouTube suggests to you. Mm-hmm. Right. And you'll fall in love with it. You'll fall in love with it. You'll discover something about yourself. Yeah. Whether you liked it or not. And your community. You'll <laughs> discover something about your community. Yeah. Holy moly. We've been at this an hour and a half. It was such an amazing conversation. I know. It's Holy been so moly. good. Yeah. I should I probably really, let you get back I to really, you. really. Well, I've, I've got to do a live show to do, and I have a lot of personal issues yeah. I got to work on today. But you know, well, but I fi- I've already I... fixed you. What are you talking about? <laughs> you you <laughs> said done. you did too, right? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, you some of these things I don't think you can help me with today. But I've got to. I do have to get on them. But yeah. you know, anytime you want to chit chat, I would love to chit chat with you again on any topics. You know, because yeah, mm-hmm. I I love these topics, and I kind of delve a little bit here and a little bit there. And if you get me on this little bit of history, I'll I'll branch off, and I'm a diver. They call them a divergent <laughs> thinker. That's what I do. You know, yeah. I go down these side roads off the mine main roads just to see oh. what's going on. All right? the all and the that's interesting the best way to do. All the people I talk to are interesting that way too. Like. We can we can start talking about somebody's book they're putting out, but next thing you know, you're talking about things that matter to them, you know, and it's right? all kinds of stuff. So, and yeah. it all it all mushes together to tell a great story. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I definitely hope your your listeners get an interesting story. Do you edit your your lives and stuff? A little interviews. A uh, lightly, yeah, lightly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, perfect. So you can take out stupid stuff and everything. Well, yeah. <laughs> if we, yeah, if I'm looking something up and I'm saying, "Hey, wait a minute," and I, you know, I'll just cut that yeah. out. Like, yeah, we don't. You know, we don't like need that. We yeah. in an hour and a half. You, you, you should take a little chunk off. Yeah. To keep your. Oh yeah. Keep your your listeners or do a part two or something. This is. Right? <laughs> I'm looking at the timer here. It's coming up on an hour thirty-two. I'll I'll edit this and it it won't be any longer than an hour twenty-eight, hour twenty-nine, like for sure. Oh, <laughs> that is absolutely sweet. If we could get that much out of this interview, then yeah. I am absolutely pleased. Well, I'm glad Thank to I'm so glad much. to put it all out there, and if people want to listen to the whole thing, they're welcome to it. And these are great conversations. So yeah, and if you're welcome to go look at some of my I Urban Explore my channels Prairie Dodgers. I'm across Facebook, Instagram youtube and you can come in you can virtual tour uh an abandoned building with me you gotta listen to a little bit of my bubbly personality as i'm doing (laughs) it right but it's a lot of fun Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of history and you're gonna see some stuff that you just might not ever get to see again yeah yeah and that's the joy of it and the sad part of it so you said it perfectly there it's the joy and the sadness of it right yeah yeah We'll get it figured. We're going to do something. We got some great minds. We got some great philanthropists. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
people notice and more the more you talk about it the more i talk about it the more mm-hmm. gordon talks about it the more people are going to hear about it and you know they're going to want to help out right yeah because right? they anywhere and there's an audience for them they'll they'll yeah, want to get in donate front of them. to the manitoba historical society they mm-hmm. take donations just go to their website mm-hmm. throw them a few dollars just put on there save a building put a roof on it fix yep. a window right yep something right and they would be happy to do it because mm-hmm. that's what they want to do right yes for sure okay well thanks cindy prairie dodger cindy and thank um, you so much that look. was so much fun like so much fun <laughs> and i'm going to be yapping it on on my i'm doing a live show right oh, away on my instagram before i go to the next one but i'm going to have a amazing conversation about our conversation today awesome so thank you very much for inviting me like and all for all those great insights and for curing me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, no charge. <laughs> <laughs> this time. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Okay, so you must feel better now. You must feel better now because I do. This, These are great. These, these are just great interviews that we're having with everybody from around Manitoba. And the, the show's just, it's just amazing. It's going great. Um, we get a lot of comments from people. Um just out of the blue, you know, saying, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard good things about it, or I've, uh, you know, somebody told me about the show. And so anyway, but we're hoping a lot more people subscribe so that we can make this something we can do all the time. So, uh, yes, the main thing you can do is subscribe on a podcatcher and get our numbers up, and then, uh, yeah, we can get a little bit of uh, a jolt from that. That's a good feeling. And through social media too. Respond to us through there. DMs are good. Or just follow us and uh, mention us. Share the stuff we put up. That's a good thing. It's all fun. It's all fun and games. And we're hoping to see you on the road this summer at some point. So there you go. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. (laughs) Subscribe, rate, and review. We appreciate your support. We like doing these interviews. And we we like you, I think. Unless we don't. But I don't see why we wouldn't. Uh, really? I don't think so. Okay, thank you for listening to the Mantovaville podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. This is Mahangel. And just a reminder to all you would-be audio thieves out there, we are copywritten. We are copyright. 2022 by Rodeo Road Studios. Mm-hmm.